Hey, I'm in a series right now called ID. Will you say that with me, ID? ID. And today I want to talk to you about the, the DNA of Heart of the City Church. The ID, the DNA of Heart of the City Church. Why would you do that, J.O.? I mean, we're part. Well, there's a lots of new people. Lots of new guests and the folks that's been coming, you know, all of a sudden you see someone, they've been coming four or five weeks or what have you. Uh, a lot of new people getting born again, water baptisms, so forth and so on. So I thought, you know, while we're talking about ID, I think it's important to talk about the DNA of heart of the city church. DNA was first time used, if I'm not mistaken, in 1986 an investigation, and now, of course, if you've been around and watch any forensics or what have you like that, it's very well used. Uh, all of us got a little bit of different DNA, and I say that because local churches throughout our community, several wonderful local churches, we have a lot of things in common, and yet we have a different DNA. There's little things about us that is different. Sometimes big things about us that is probably quite different. So for the sake of those who are somewhat new, new to the faith, new to the church community, or new to Coeur d'Alene, uh, maybe you new to the church, we, we just want to talk to you about the DNA of Heart of the City Church uh, today. Like each person around here, if you were to talk to them, they would have just a little bit, there's something different about each individual. And so churches are somewhat like that. And when I say churches, you know, there was uh, quite a few, many local churches even in the New Testament. Right here, there's going to be 33 of them listed right there. That's 33 New Testament local churches. So, you know, there may be some that represent a city or a region, but there was quite a few local churches. And just like in Coeur d'Alene, there's quite a few uh, local churches. And if you was to read the letters to the church, like Paul writing to the church of Corinth, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, you would see that there's, the language is different. You would see that, you know, each one of these churches are different. And so, therefore, uh, even as today, the DNA in local churches are different. And today I chose to talk about 11 things that I hope to get through them all. Uh, it's like I get going good on the first few, and then I kind of have to rush through the rest of them because I get kind of excited about the first few, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, J.O., you can't camp out on one of them all day long. I mean, each one of these probably could be a sermon. But I thought, you know, since I'm talking about the DNA, and a lot of the things about the DNA of Heart of the City Church is not listed today. And uh, a good place to come and find out more about the DNA of Heart of the City Church is our core class. Will you say that with me, core class? And it's spelt like core, delaying. Core, meaning the heart of, the, the heart, right, Seth? And so that happens today at 111. Actually, Radine and I are, are teaching the class today, but uh, it happens every Sunday, typically, unless it's Easter or the fifth Sunday. And I invite you to come to the core class. It's our membership class. So pray with me as we dive into the word uh, right now. We talk about the, say that with me, the DNA. The DNA of Heart of the City Church. Father, thank you, God. Thank you that uh, you're moving in this place. Thank you for, I think it was 10 water baptisms this morning and people going down. And 
Father, I could just sense, putting my hand on heads, some of the things that you showed me spiritually, what they might do or what they've been going through or what have you. Uh, Father, I just lift them up to you or what they're going to be. And I just thank you for you're just raising up a generation of, of new believers, Lord. And I pray for anyone in here today that maybe they don't know you yet, that you would captivate their heart even in the midst of the remaining of this service. We lift up this word to you right now and just pray, God, that you would speak. Man shall not live by bread alone, not even the best bread but every word that comes out of your mouth. You send your word and it heals. Heaven and earth, they're gonna pass away, but not your word. So Lord, we love your word and ask that you would speak now by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name and everyone said. First one, say this with me, house of grace. Heart of the city church <clears throat> is a house of grace. Heart of the City Church is a place of grace. If you come here and something happens to you and you make a mistake, I want to let you know today we're not here to beat you down, but we're here to lift you up. This is a place of grace. I want to read a couple scriptures maybe when it comes to grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of any of your works that you're saved today. If you know Jesus Christ today and he lives inside of you, it's not because you're well-educated or because you're rich or because you're poor or because you're somehow righteous. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. It is a free gift of grace. If you are lost and now you're found, it's because Jesus found you. You did not find Jesus. It is a gift of grace. If you can say Jesus is my Lord, I want to let you know that's only because of the grace of God. Great. You're saved by grace. This is a place of grace that should continue in our church. That spirit and that attitude should continue throughout our lives with Jesus Christ. Because you ain't never going to be good enough. On your best day, guess what? You still ain't good enough. I don't like that, Jay. Well, it's true. On your very best day, you still ain't good enough. And you know what? That's all right. We want to do our best, but I want to let you know it's a work of grace. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Everyone say gift. It's a gift. Gift. Not of works, least anyone should boast. You can't say, well, I'm all that. It's a free gift. We're a house of grace. Receiving something that there is no way you could earn. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Hallelujah. Jesus knows exactly what you go through. He knows exactly what you feel. He knows exactly what it can be like, the difficulties that you go through. Why? Because God stepped out of heaven in the form of a man. He can sympathize with you and have compassion towards you because he walked in your moccasins and your shoes. And it says, was, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of Y'all ready to go with me this morning, church? Come on, tell your neighbor right now, wake up. It's already past 11, come on. Come boldly to the throne of not legalism, not religiosity, but you come boldly to the throne of grace. Look what you'll find there, that you may obtain mercy and find Are y'all going to go with me or not? Is it behind me? Is it behind me? Just tell, is it behind me? Oh, it's not behind me. Oh, you can't go with me. Will you extend grace to me right now? I thought it was behind me. J.O., I can't, I can't do that if I don't know the scripture, J.O. Okay, 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 okay. It's a beautiful scripture. Look what it says. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, if you make a mistake here, we're not here to beat you down. Say your parent, you're doing the very best you can. Your child makes a mistake. We're not here to beat you down. We don't want you to run with shame. We want to do anything that we can do to help you. We've all been there. Every one of, there's not a person in this room right now that's not sin. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and go, you little sinner, you. <laughs> Not a person in this room is not sin. I got news for you. I don't care how cool you are or how cool you look on the outside or what clothes you're wearing. You're a sinner. And we need the grace of God. Look at the attitude that Jesus comes with. John 1, 16 and 17. And of his fullness, we have all received, look, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I love that. Jesus came full of grace and truth. We need both of them. We need the fullness of grace. We need the fullness of truth. But I want to let you know, it says grace in the beginning for a reason. There's something about extending grace to someone so that they can receive truth that will change their life. If you come mowing people down with truth, like Rambo, you remember that? Big old 50 cow. You'll just mow people down with truth and it will absolutely, Jesus could control truth like a volume on a stereo. He didn't blow, if anybody could have blowed your ears off with truth, Jesus could have just mowed you down. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He could control truth. Why? Because if you share truth that, that people don't receive, you're wasting your breath. But if you season it with grace and season it with salt, and all of a sudden they know how much you care and love them and you want to see them free, all of a sudden they'll receive truth that can absolutely set them free. See, it's not hearing truth that sets someone free. It's not reading truth that sets someone free. It's knowing truth. He comes full of grace and truth. You know, when I was a young Christian, I preached on the streets of California, and man, I could mow people down with the best of truth, just double barrel, sawed off shotgun truth. Boom! It didn't produce a lot of fruit in my life. And all of a sudden, man, someone was preaching on this verse one day, and I just had an awakening. God, you came full of grace and 
truth. Grace and truth. Grace sets the, the plate for the truth that people can receive it. Get in their, their heart and set them free. It's not legalism. If you want to run your kids out of your house, just go ahead and be a legalistic past parent. You'll run them out of the house. You'll shut them down full of grace and truth. Colossians, how do we extend grace? This is a beautiful way. Colossians 4, 6, the message, it says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation not put them down, not cut them out. You know, the same measure that you use, it will be measured towards you. We, 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 you know, there's a scripture that we've used for in the past days for tithes and offering. Give and it will come back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. But you know what? That giving there is talking about giving if you judge someone. The way that you judge someone it's going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It would be put in your bosom the way that you give. So how many of you want to receive grace? You want to receive a lot. Of, how many of you need a lot of grace like I do? Seriously, I need a whole lot of grace. Well, the way that you receive grace is that you extend it. You extend grace, and the measure that you extend grace is going to be given back to you, pressed down, Shaking together and running over. Someone say a house of grace. Number two, a city on a hill. See, I get stuck on one right there, and it takes me too long. A city on a hill. Say that with me, a city on a hill. Yeah. We're a city on a hill that cannot be shaken. Remember that? How you remember that in the sound? Some of you don't remember. You know why? Because you wasn't here. When it's the sound, you need to be at all the service. All five of them, J.O., whatever. Yeah, every one of them. Every one of them is different. You don't even know what God's going to do. We're a city on a hill that cannot be shaken. So won't you shine your light? You know, every one of us in this room right here is responsible to be the carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not one person that should not be responsible. You, you need to be responsible for the gospel of Jesus Christ. At heart of the city, church, the Great Commission is not a suggestion. We're every one of us. If you don't know how to share the gospel in a natural conversation, I would encourage you to, to dig in and to learn, share your testimony. We're to be light and salt to our community everywhere we go. How many of you have a, a favorite football team? You got a favorite football team? Who's yours? Broncos. I knew that. Still, still feel bad for you, bro. Who else? Yes? Seahawks. Okay. How many Seahawks fans? Y'all jump, jumped on that bandwagon. Hallelujah. Somebody got a team over here? Broncos. Niners. And you're excited? Somebody was screaming out, Niners. We need to get some intercession prayer going right now for the Niners. Yes, sir. Heart of the city? Oh, come on. That's your team, huh? That's good. I like that. Here's my, yes, ma'am. I'm a Niner fan too, so I am. Yeah. 
<laughs> Somebody got to pull for him, you know. I'm a Steeler fan and just believing that everyone's going to convert, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here's my point with that. You know, for you to talk about your faith, you know, sometimes it's difficult. But I think it should be like talking about our sports team. You get so excited about the 49ers and so excited about the Seahawks. And, you know, we could just talk about it. You don't sweat bullets and get all nervous about talking about your, your, your sports team. I think, gee, including myself, God wants to do something in our heart that we can talk about Jesus Christ and our faith in Christ and our testimony just very, very naturally. That we're not sweating bullets and stressed out anytime God gives us the opportunity to share the goodness and the, and the greatness of Jesus Christ. But we can talk about it in a natural way. The reason why we don't talk about it in a natural way is because a lot of times it doesn't get talked about except on the weekend. And I just encourage you, like Jesus at the water, at the well. Remember him at the well with the, the, the Samaritan woman? He's, he's there at the well. Guess what he begins to talk about? Can somebody say water? He, he, he just got the conversation talking about water. And then he starts talking about worship. And then all of a sudden, she gets so touched. He has a prophetic word for her, rocks her world. She goes back to Samaria, begins like a, a little revival. And, and God's just moving and shaking. Then he starts talking about the missions. He starts talking about the nations. Lift up your eyes for the harvest is white for reaping and so forth and so on. And he just does it in a natural way. I think God wants to do something in our lives that if you're at NIC or in high school or on the job site, that you can just talk about your faith very naturally. I think the more that we do that, the more natural it's going to be. Can I get an amen this morning? We're a city on a hill. The Bible says, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And you know, we believe in the full gospel here. We believe in a person getting born again. When Jesus comes into their heart, he's Lord and Savior. I mean, you, you, you sell out and you buy in and you're all in. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Like this morning, 10 people were water baptized. You go down in the waters of the death of Jesus Christ and come up in resurrection power. And also, we believe full gospel and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to come in, rule and reign in your life and empower you. Come on, it's life changing. Somebody say the full gospel. God wants to do that. That's a DNA of Heart of the City Church. That's one point of that. Look at number three, house of prayer. House of prayer. This is what Jesus said in Mark eleven seventeen. Then he taught. Jesus is teaching. He, he taught, saying to them, "It is not. Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of, yeah, for all nations. But you've made it a den of thieves. They were in there selling things for, for sacrifices and so forth and so on. Listen." House of prayer is so vital. Whenever you are praying, the church is not going to be a place of thieves. When you're praying, it's not going to be a place of religiosity or legalism. Why? Because prayer keeps us intimate with the Father. God wants you to have not just a Sunday relationship with Jesus, not just a Saturday relationship with Jesus. God wants to have a seven-day, 24-hour-a-day, come on, an everyday relationship with you that he that you can have an ongoing conversation with the Father. Somebody say pray. pray. 
You know what? We had a, a corporate prayer yesterday, and it was wonderful. Men and women, usually it's men on the first Saturday, and typically the second Saturday is women. And then every week we have Wednesday noon prayer, Thursday noon prayer. Somebody say corporate prayer. I want to encourage you to be part of that. I dream of the day whenever it's this full at a prayer meeting. Why would you say that? I, I pray at home, J.O. I mean, I, I pray at home. I do too. I pray at home. But there's something about corporate prayer coming together in the church, praying and interceding, yes and amen and agreeing with one another. I tell you what, how many of you got a car out in the parking lot right now? Got a car in the parking lot. Let's say that you got a, the sickest Escalade out there. Wheels, stereo, shiny, didn't even want to drive it today in the rain. But that Escalade will do you no good if it hasn't got an engine in it. You go out there and just click, 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 click. Prayer is the engine room to the church. It's the engine room. We see people get born again typically every weekend. Life's changed. Families change. Come on. We need to pray. We need to MC hammer it out. Amen. We got to pray. We have a saying around here, P-U-S-H, push. Somebody tell me what that means. Pray until something happens. I want to encourage you to come out to one of the prayer times. This is a house of prayer. And you know why? Because it's, this, it's a New Testament principle. The baby new church, the, the, the new church, right in Acts 1.14, in the very beginnings of the church, man, it was birthed in prayer. It was birthed in the Holy Spirit. Look what Acts 1.14 says. These all continued in one accord in prayer, supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Somebody say pray. pray. Number four, house of restoration. Will you say that with me, restoration? Restoration Restoration is the act of returning something to its formal owner or condition. The act of returning something to its formal owner or condition. See, God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you in your mother's womb. All of a sudden, you're born into sin, and then you choose to sin. And by nature, we're sinners. But God wants to bring restoration to your life. Where the devil has stolen from you, he's stolen 10. God wants to restore 20-fold of your life. Where the devil has stolen 20 from you, God wants to restore 40-fold. Where well, the devil has stolen 50 from you, God wants to restore your life a hundredfold. How, jail? It can look in many forms of fashion. It may be in your health. It may be in a relationship. It may be in a business. It may be emotionally. It may be mentally. I want to let you know that God is a God of restoration. This is a house of restoration. You may come in here totally in pain, hurting. You may be cutting yourself because you have so much pain on the inside. I want to let you know that God can restore you. Man, I was jacked up when I came to the church. God, throughout the years, has restored me. Am I totally restored? Ooh, no, but I'm on my way. You know, I looked like a head-on collision when I came into the church. And my whole body full of rust, if you're thinking about a car. 
God, let me tell you something beautiful about God. He restores better than ever. Not just to where you were, but uh, above and beyond. He is a God of restoration. Put that picture up there for me today. Look at this picture. Look right there, there. Some of you might be looking like this dude up here at the top. Right? But look at the after effect of restoration. You, you may, well, that's kind of cute. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, God will do so much beyond that. When you stay in the house and you allow what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. He is a God of restoration. Whatever you're faced with, whatever you're coming out, whatever the devil has stolen, whatever you went through, through a divorce, whatever, the abuse, the confusion, God restores. Yeah, Jay, I'm a, I'm a rusty old dump truck. God can restore you. Jay, I'm rusted up with a head-on collision. Total, God will restore. Because he's a God of restoration. You just walk with him. He takes you from glory to glory to glory. Not glory to gloom. Not glory to depression. God wants to take you from glory to glory. He's a God of restoration today. You might be in the dark season of your night, of your life right now. We were singing that earlier. Uh holding on. To me, God is holding on. When the night is holding on to me, God, you're holding on. You are good. He's good. And he's a God of restoration. High five your neighbor and say, he restores. This is also a house of redemption. A house of redemption. God is a God of redemption. Listen to this scripture, Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. In the New Testament, slaves were very costly, very costly. And a slave buyer would come to the slave market to buy a slave, and they would begin to kind of investigate the slave, see what kind of condition they're in, open their mouth, check teeth, do all kinds of things before they bought a slave. I know I don't mean this in an offensive way, it's just... It just, it just happened, if I understand history correctly. A slave, the person coming to the market would even possibly beat the slave to see if the slave, you know, what kind of condition and what kind of beating, what have you, could the slave take. And then, of course, the auctioneer would try to sell the slave at top price. Jail, what, why would you tell that story? That's not even comfortable, and I understand but before Jesus Christ, if you're a believer today, before Jesus Christ, you were a slave. I was a slave. We are all slaves. Without Jesus Christ, I don't mean to 
degrade you or make you feel bad today, but I got to tell you, without Jesus Christ, you're a slave. The Bible speaks of slave to sin. We're a slave to ourselves, slave to selfishness. We're slaves to fear. And Jesus came. He was the ultimate slave buyer. He comes, comes to the mark. What's the mark? He comes into the world, Satan's slave market. You know what he does? He buys. He doesn't buy you in order to use you. He doesn't buy you in order to keep you in slavery. He doesn't buy you in order to abuse you. You know what Jesus, why he buys you? To free you. To liberate you. To give you life and life more abundant. So you can experience the life that he's always had for you and I. And how did he buy it? He paid top dollar for you. He paid the highest price for you. He redeemed you. He prayed. God of the universe steps out of heaven in the form of a man and he dies for you. He sheds his blood for you so that you could be bought top dollar so you can walk in freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you know, the Bible says that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus paid and did a great exchange so that you could have your life back and you could live it to its fullness. Can someone say, house of redemption? He's a redeemer. Number eight, I'm sorry, the other number eight, which is actually a number six, number six. (laughs) It's not a number eight at all, it's a number six. house of healing. This place is a house of healing. We believe in healing. We believe in supernatural healing. We believe God heals physically. We believe that God heals spiritually. We believe that God heals our souls and restores our emotions and he restores our soul. God, his name is Jehovah Rapha. He's a Lord God who heals. I don't understand everything about healing. It's way above my pay grade, but I want to let you know, I know that he heals. Listen to this scripture, James 5, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Listen. Let him come for the elders of the church and let let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and he will be forgiven. Listen to Acts 10.38. This is what Jesus did. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all. Will you say that with me? Healing all? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Man, If you've somehow believed that God, whenever the apostles die, that maybe the gifts stopped or maybe healing stopped, I got news for you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord God who heals, man. He heals. 
I was talking to Ron Stice yesterday, and, and Steve, I heard this story a couple of times, and, and Steve kind of refreshed me with it yesterday. Uh, there's a lady, she may be here today because I don't know who you are, and uh, I, don't, I hope I tell your story exactly right, but she's in the healing class, and she had hearing aids, and one day they were praying over her, uh, I guess for her hearing, and she looked at Steve and says, are you, are you talking louder to me? He goes, no. And do you know that she's had her hearing aids out for five months now? You know why? Because he's a healer. Jail, I don't believe that. It's too late. I don't care what you believe. You need to believe. That's our problem. All of a sudden, try to pray for someone. It doesn't happen the way we are. We mark it off like, hey, God doesn't heal anymore. Come on. No, we're going to stand on the truth. We're going to stand on God's word, on his promises. He's the Lord God who heals. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we have died to sins, might live for his righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Say that with me, were healed. Were healed. Mandy Plegger walked up to me after the service. She reminded me about her little baby, Ethan, on how maybe about a year or so ago, how Ethan was healed in the hospital. I mean, he was a hurting kid and how God touched his life. He's a healer. Number seven, we're a house of faith. Say that with me, faith. I walk by faith each step by faith to live by faith, I put my trust in you. How many remember that old school song? We walk by faith. We're going to stand with you in faith. Whatever you may be faced with, we're going to walk with you in faith. We're going to believe God's promises over your life in faith. The just shall walk and live by what? Faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. We're people of faith, you guys. We're people of faith. We can't see it. Why would I not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen? For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Come on. God wants you and I to walk by faith. It pleases him. It blesses his heart. Talking about Abraham. And he believed in the Lord, and it accounted to him for righteousness. Faith. You know, God is the most powerful source in the universe. Just the most powerful. Energy, power, master of the universe, maker, creator. I mean, he's the most powerful thing that exists. And so it kind of reminds me of electricity. Think about a big power plant. Maybe a power dam. And somehow we have to get the electricity into our homes or into our business or even these lights that's shining right now. How do you think the electricity gets from the power plant, electricity that you can't see, how do you think that electricity comes in here and lights these light bulbs? Can someone say wires? There's wires above ground, wires underground, going through transformers and so forth, so forth, the great conductors, so forth, and so forth. And we have electricity here. To me, it's like faith. You can't see faith. But God has all this power in heaven. He's got all this power of who he is. 
When we get to heaven, you know, we're going to have, have lights. I mean, he is our light. And all of a sudden, God wants to use you and I to touch this world with his power. Well, how does he do it? By faith. We become those wires. It's like faith is the wires that pulls what God has down in and through us. You can be a good conductor. There are some uh, conductors that are very good for electricity. How about copper? Uh, Dalen, would, would copper be a good, good conductor? How about metal? How about water? How about wood? No. We want to have, we want to be good, thank you for letting me drill in you, Dalen, right there. We want to let, we want to be good conductors of faith. You want to be like pieces of copper, pieces of metal. You don't want to be a piece of wood, right? Here's some good conductors. Here, God, he wants to, he, he, he wants to work through us. He wants to work with us. I mean, that's just the way that God has set things up. And so here's some good conductors. Say this with me, believe. Think about believing as a piece of wire with copper inside. Believing is a very good conductor. Believing on the things that you can't see. Believing on the invisible. Believing that God's word is true and his promises that he wants to use you and he wants to touch our city and he wants to heal and he wants to save. Come on. Believing is a good conductor. Courage is a great conductor. You make me brave. You make me brave. Come on. Courage, stepping out of the boat. These are good conductors. Standing on God's word is a good conductor. Are you feeling me today? God wants to transform you and I through the renewing of our minds so that we can be great conductors of his faith. And he flows right through us and so forth and so on. Are you feeling me today? You want to be like a piece of copper instead of a piece of wet wood. Amen? Good conductors. We're a house of faith. Look at the next one. Number nine. Say this with me, whole army. Did I miss one? Look at you, J.O. What's wrong with you, man? And it's number eight. Nathan, what's wrong with ace today, man? <laughs> safe house. Say that with me, safe house. safe house. You know, in the world, a safe house is a place where, honestly, criminals can hide and, and spies. That's not the safe house I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like in the Old Testament, there was six Levitical cities, if I'm not mistaken, cities of refuge, where if a person had committed manslaughter, they could go to these cities of refuge. We want to be like, a, as it were, a city of refuge here at Heart of the City Church, a safe place. Say that with me again, safe place, a place that you can be real, a place where you can be honest, a place where you know that you're not going to be beat down and condemned if you're going through something, but people are going to come around you and try to lift you up and walk with you and love on you, a safe place. Who wants religiosity with a bunch of fakeness? Listen, I believe that you can be men and women of great faith and still be real and still be transparent. Amen? Transparency breeds transparency, and I think it brings great healing. I think it's very healthy when you can be transparent. Somebody say a safe place, a place where you're not going to feel hypocrisy and backbiting and someone stabbing you in your back. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, a safe place. Number nine. 
Say this with me, the whole army. This is real important. We're not about a church of just being all about men. Just, just a bunch of men. It's the men camp. Or it's not about just women. We need the whole army enrolled, signed up, and released. I believe that every person in this room, you need to walk in your God-given gift. If you think, men, can I talk to you for a minute? Men, can I talk to you? If you think that women are inferior to you, I can release these women on you right now and give you, give you a nod here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> women, if you think men are inferior to you, I got news for you. You need to look at Genesis. What, what, what's Genesis? Male and female, we were both made in whose image? You're both. Male and female. Listen to this scripture that Paul writes. He says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither, is it behind me? Can you get it up there behind me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we give the PowerPoint people a big hand? Man, for them, for them to even stay near me, it's a wonderful thing. Look. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I understand. Hey, listen, I understand there's a natural and spiritual order of how God made things in Ephesians and Colossians. I, I get that. But each one of us has a role to play male and female. God wants you, every person in this room, the gifting and the calling of God that God's put inside of your heart to be released and to walk in it. That male chauvinist stuff is wrong. Just like women, don't be stoning me. Just like the feminist movement, wrong. Because we're not here to be superior over each other. We're here as children of God. Sons and daughters of God. The whole army of God. Can you imagine? For years it's either, it seems like, hey, it's just about the men or it's just about the women. How about if we're the whole army being who God intended for you and I to be? Can you imagine how powerful that is? Amen. Preach it, J.O. I will, I will, I will. Number 10, almost through. Thank you, son. My son comes up here, get his guitar, and I'm really blessed because he's telling daddy, you need to get her done, daddy. Uh, and it really helps me big time. Serve. We're all called to serve one another. The greatest in the kingdom is a servant. Jesus, it's, it's, it's a beautiful principle of Jesus' servant leadership that we serve from under. We're not trying to be the king of the mountain around here. We're trying to serve one another. Can I tell you just quickly, just kind of, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Here's a great place to serve. You ready for a, a wonderful place to serve? 
next Saturday, Single Moms Outreach. When you do it for the least of these, what Jesus say? Oh, you know your Bibles. When you do it for the least of these, you do it to Christ, unto Jesus Christ. Wow. You might want to consider that. And the last one's for free. It's not even on my notes back there because there's so many areas of DNA of Heart of the City Church. I didn't really camp out on city groups, and that's part of our DNA. I didn't camp out on families. That's part of our DNA and so forth and so on. But I had to throw this one in there for free. Here, number 11 right here, a house of worship. A house of worship that you can feel totally released to be who you are in worship. If you do a little holy hip-hop, then do your holy hip-hop. If worship to you is, I just wait on the Lord, then just wait on the Lord. If you clap, if you shout, if you dance, if, we want you, the Davidic worship being restored to the church, we want you to be able to just worship God freely. Why is that so beautiful and powerful? Because Psalm 22, God is enthroned. He's enthroned in the praises of Israel. When we worship him, we praise him, we enthrone him, and all of a sudden his presence, we're presence people. We need his presence. Moses, I can't do without you. I'm not going to go without you, God. We need the presence of God, amen? 